No, it does not appear there are any uh, news stories that have broken of major consequence. Like, around 5.07 p.m. yesterday, the news came out that, in fact, Nick Saban is retiring as the head football coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And, right after 7 a.m. this morning, the news came out that the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick mutually agreeing to part ways. And in that... We kind of all thought might be coming, or at least we did here in the fast lane. I don't know about everybody else out there, but that we thought might be coming. So it's not overly surprising, but nothing else is broken of major consequence since then. I'm going to knock on wood because that could easily change in the very near future. What has also changed is that Liberty's path to winning men's basketball games is much more challenging than it was last year or the last couple of years in the A-Sun. It is a league where you get more bounce backs, power five players who transfer back down in search of more playing time, but players who clearly have enough talent to perform at a high level. And it's created some challenge for the Liberty Flames. And as Richie McKay noted last night, they're aware of it, but there are issues, I think, you have to be honest in saying it. There are issues with Liberty that have popped up right now. They're still 11-6, and six, but they're 0-2 in CUSA. Linked in athleticism, whether it's Jacksonville State, 61-51 victors at Liberty last night. Western Kentucky this past Saturday. Alabama, Florida Atlantic, or Charleston Southern before. That combination has proven to be a challenge for the Liberty Flames as it did last night. And Jack. Uh, man, Jack State played a terrific game. Uh, they deserved to win and uh, really impressed with uh, the change they made from one season to a, the next. They, they have a connected team that presents a lot of problems with their length and athleticism. And uh, between Alabama, them, and uh, Western Kentucky, we, we've, we've faced some really hot teams. Length and athleticism being a problem. But here's the other part Richie McKay mentioned. He mentioned connected, and that's fascinating to hear that because when I, when I think of the Liberty Flames, I, I don't think of that really being an issue. McKay is often very praiseworthy of the fact that this team is together. They do what's asked out of them. They play hard. They buy in, and that he's got confidence, something that he even backed up in the midst of the night last night where the Flames shot 9 of 34 from three-point range, a paltry 26 and a half percent. I think our team will come out of it too. I believe in our guys. Uh, I think we have great character and I think we have really good skill. And uh, Jack State made it hard on us, but other teams have made it hard on us in the past. Uh, but yes, I think our confidence was shook a little bit and it showed up on the defensive end because uh, they only had eight points with, I don't know, 10 to go, 10 something to go in the first half. And uh, we didn't finish the half well. We have great character and great skill. That's different from having LinkedIn athleticism. Let's let's be very clear about that. And Richie McKay basically intimated as much last night. Because that's the obvious takeaway right now for this Liberty team. And, and more on the roster makeup later. Uh, you know, we'll get another chance to see them this coming Sunday against Louisiana Tech. There will be more chances, obviously, as they're just starting Conference USA play. But I was at the game last night getting my Mark Goodfellow on, sitting front row watching the game. Jacksonville State looked longer. They looked more athletic. And if you're Liberty, you're going to have to do a lot of the little things. And I I get it. This kind of sounds like the same thing we've said about 
the Virginia Cavaliers. And, and again, let's also be very clear, McKay is a Tony Bennett disciple. So there are going to be similarities between these programs. And a lot of it boils down to the defense when the shots aren't falling can you maintain a requisite level of defensive intensity, of fire and passion? And there's no statistic to quantify this, but from watching it last night, it looked like whether it's a lack of confidence, whether it's a lack of zip and drive, I'm not saying they weren't trying. There's a difference between that. Liberty would still run, but there's an extra spark. Again, analytics, it's hard to quantify this, but when you're watching in person, particularly you're you're at, at the game watching in person close up, you can see that with this team. And I don't think it's disbelief that they can get it turned around. Like, I don't think it's checked out for Liberty. But when they played really well, and they've done it this year, they were 11-4 and four before Conference USA play started. By and large, we've seen it. Heck, we saw it against teams like Wichita State earlier this year. And... I mean, you can only control so much about whether the shots are falling or not. And it's an issue for Liberty, and I don't begin to be the basketball expert to have the right mindset of what to do to correct an offense where Kyle Rhodes shoots 3 of 13 from downtown and Kaden Matheny, who's supposed to be a long-distance spark plug, 15 points kind of, I wouldn't say it's a total mirage, but he led the way for all scorers with 15, but... It really felt like he was scrapping and clawing to get that, going two of nine from three-point range. It never it never looked like it was all that smooth. And some of that does stem from the defensive end. And when you hit prolonged offensive slumps, again, we can rinse, wash, and repeat what we've said about Virginia. But when you get prolonged offensive slumps, you got to have a defense that can bail you out. And this is a hard lesson that Liberty's learning on the fly right now. Obviously, I know the attention that everyone's going to be drawn to is the nine for... What is it? Nine for 34 from three, and uh, we're going to keep shooting them. feel like that's part of our game plan, part of our strength. And uh, yeah, got to figure out a way, though, to uh, see if we can't uh, keep it out of the lane and give up, giving up points in the paint. Because when we're not making threes and we're, they're scoring close at the rim, it, it doesn't look so good. I mean, again, I don't begin to have the answers on how you shoot better from downtown when it's in the midpoint of the season. This is not late February when the legs are tired. Sometimes it just, when it rains, it pours. And when it's a drought, it's really a drought. And right now, Liberty is proving they are, proving to be a very streaky team when it comes to shooting the ball. And, I mean, McKay's not worried about it. And for all the concern there is, and and I've got plenty about, I wouldn't say the body language in terms of the buy-in from Liberty or the flat-out effort, but there's a difference between having effort and then having confidence. And... Caden Matheny, to his ever-loving credit, was confrontational, not in a bad way, but when asked about the quality of shots that they're getting last night, he didn't seem to think that was a problem. I, mean, I think we all have a belief in one another that like, the next shot's going in. Um, we're so unselfish that like, it doesn't matter who's, who's shooting it, we, we believe in one another. Um, and I think that like in the past couple games, shots that we normally hit aren't falling, and that's when we, we see... Uh, like KR said, there's little spurts that then we're battling back from. Um, but we're, we're getting the shots we want a lot of times, so that's where like our belief is still there. Like We know what we can do, um, so we just got to keep, keep pushing forward. We're getting the shots we want, but they're just not falling. You know, again, I don't pretend to have answers, but it doesn't seem like there's a real 
answer other than you keep shooting. And again, I'm not a, enough of a basketball nerd. You know, I'm not a, a sneakerhead or, you know, an aficionado in that sport to know whether that, that's in fact the right approach, Where whether you just keep shooting the threes and if you're good enough. And Liberty's got guys. Caden Matheny was hot earlier in the year. Kyle Rode has had better games when he shot the three. Colin Porter was two of six. He was solid, but he wasn't spectacular. And Brody Peoples was two of four. You know, maybe you give those other guys more involved and you try to spread the wealth around from downtown. But that's the truth about Liberty's going to set things up offensively. But I think a lot of it is also, when you mention the defensive effort, when the three-point shots aren't falling, and yes, sometimes that creates long rebounds, but it doesn't look like Liberty's doing a lot around the rim. They had 18 points in the paint last night, and I get it when you're a live-by-the-three, die-by-the-three team. It does matter, but you need to create those opportunities when the shots aren't falling, and that's one thing that has been missing from Liberty. And here's probably the biggest crux of everything. And again, Liberty, when you don't have the high-level athleticism and length, those are two parts of the chessboard of winning a game that are not as big of an advantage for Liberty as they were in the A-Sun. All of a sudden, they're at a disadvantage for it. And you combine that with playing a tough non-conference schedule, a philosophy with which I agree, by the way, but playing a tougher non-conference schedule this year and then prior years to get you ready for the the Conference USA schedule, almost at A-Sun. There's not film out on this Liberty team that other Conference USA teams have, which goes back to Liberty finding ways to adjust. Well, I mean, just look at the size, the length, the athleticism, the bodies. Like, I, I think, yeah, it, it's a higher-rated league. So, uh, you know, if we're in a one-off in a non-conference game or a postseason game, uh, you see that same thing. But people aren't as used to playing against us in the league, uh, you know, especially with the non-conference schedule that we had. Everyone's mimicking the uh, the Grand Canyon, the, the FAU, the – um, the Charleston's, uh, the Alabama game plan, and uh, it, not going to get any longer right now. Not going to grow any taller. So we'll, we'll have to definitely adjust and find a way to uh, try and minimize our uh, our disadvantages. The way you adjust, and this is one way. So again, there are plenty of other tactical ways that, that Richie McKay and the staff are going to know. But I think one of the easiest ways is you have that fire on the defensive end, and you create defensive stops. And you make it part of your culture. Because for all the flaws about Virginia basketball, and again, we, we draw the parallels, but McKay, disciple of Tony Bennett, so th- it's reasonable to do that, I think, here in the fast lane. And you can disagree. Trey Law, VT, or fast lane, Ed Lane on the social media platforms. But I think it's reasonable to draw those parallels. So here's where I would go then. Make it more part of your culture. Now, I get it. Students are not back until this weekend. Liberty's on the road anyway on Sunday, so it doesn't matter. But... Buy into that because when you normally get a packed house and Liberty, they haven't had it. They didn't have it against Jacksonville State. Obviously, Western Kentucky was on the road. Alabama was a pseudo road game. Florida Atlantic and College of Charleston were neutral site games in Florida earlier this year. But normally, that's the type of thing where the home court can give you a spark and that can be the type of thing that gives you a boost. And especially for players trying to find their swagger or their identity, it can help them out because, oh, we get rewarded for defensive effort. Oh, we see how to win a game like this. Oh, even if all, if all that took place at home, it is translatable elsewhere. The saving grace, I'll also say for Liberty, is this. They're in a one, maybe two-bid league. And there's still a chance for them to make noise in Conference USA play, even though they're 0-2. And in the Conference USA tournament. And it's ultimately about being ready for that neutral site venue event because that's going to be their path to the NCAA tournament 
if you're the Liberty Flames. That's how you should approach it and should have pretty much for the entire year. So if you're going to go through a slump in learning experiences, again, as frustrating as it is if you're a Flames fan, as painful as it is to watch if you're not, like for someone like me, then the reality is you want to go through this right now if you're a Liberty fan. The time you don't want to go through any pain is when an accident occurs, whether it's an auto accident or something to your home. It will be there, but the way to mitigate that is to have the proper insurance. And the way you do that is visiting Gardner Insurance Solutions, Old Forest Road in Lynchburg. They will shop your home and auto policies to make sure you're getting the best rate for you and your family, thanks to Gardner Insurance Solutions. Uh, Also last night, on a brighter note, and we'll get more into the ACC slate of games in the Fast Five at Five-ish momentarily, but Virginia Tech men's basketball. I thought Mike Young summed it up really well when he said this afterwards in the Virginia Tech Radio Network, but that was as good of a team win as the Virginia Tech Hokies have had, and maybe a lesson for the Liberty Flames as well, that when you're snapping out of a skid, it's less likely to be one player, but a collection of players doing what's asked out of them, and then a cohesive effort making things better. I don't know what the analogy is for football or baseball. When the ball's going in the basket and in, in, uh, in basketball, uh, it's an it's an easier game. It's a cleaner game. It's a better officiated game. Um, and we got a really good play, Mike, from a number of people. I thought Tyler Nickel had his best game in a uh, in a Virginia Tech uniform. Melanja Poteet really helped our team. Robbie Barron and uh, Makai Long at the four spot, you know, helped our team. So uh, one of those uh, the best wins or team wins, and that was a team win. It was a team win, as Mike Young said on the Virginia Tech Radio Network. As you hear every Hokie game. Right here on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. By the way, keep it locked to the Facebook page because it's going to be a, a bit of a unique schedule this coming Saturday with the NFL playoffs plus college basketball. Yeah. So we'll have a graphic posted to explain We might that. have a uh, – the first playoff game might not start on time. Yeah. I mean, it's part of it. So that's how we go. Um, and we'll adjust on the fly when we get to that point. But for Virginia Tech last night, that was a good win for them. Clemson's a top 25 team. I doubt they will be once you get – a little bit further along into the weekend and in the, the new polls end up coming out. But I thought that was still good for Virginia Tech. That was a good quality performance that they needed to show and something that had clearly been missing from them. And again, I, I've dogged Sean Padula at times. He had his best game of his career. You said think, it well, Trey. I think it's just that simple. He had to step up with Gator's injury. I mean, this. I said this was Tech's best win of the season. Uh, I think it's... It's given that your best player gets hurt in the first half and you basically dominate a top, what, 35? They're 21st, but you'd say a top 30 team in the country. Yep. Even if it's at home, but you basically, I mean, you kept them at an arm's length much of that game. Like, I know they got it to four a couple of times that second half, but Tech kept extending the lead, extending the lead, extending the lead. Like, this was probably their best performance of the season. I would agree with that, Trey. And I know it's young. Especially yes, coming off the two ACC losses. Correct. And granted, you know, Wake Forest, even with the loss a couple of nights ago at Florida State, much like Virginia Tech this past Saturday, I think there, there's some questions about them and a lot of ACC teams outside of Carolina and Duke. More on that momentarily. You know, for Virginia Tech, it was a good win last night. And you mentioned Sean Padula. Look, I'll be the first to admit, uh, he has erratic play. Sometimes it's, it's a little overly emotional, and therefore it's hard for him to be under control. But... He had 32 points, 7 assists. He really seemed to see the floor well and know when to score, when to get his teammates involved, and when to help with lockdown defense. And Mike Young, very justified in this praise that he heaped upon Sean Padula when speaking 
on the Virginia Tech Radio Network postgame show as you hear every Tech game on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. He was terrific. I thought he had a couple that, um, you know, were uh, a tad questionable in the second half. Um, but, you know, he's, uh, he's going to make a mistake. Uh, you got, I, I understand that. Uh, but I thought he did a much better job in getting people involved. He had a couple of really, really nice passes here in the first half. Um, under the basket and flipping the thing to the top to uh, Tyler Nickel, I believe, was, uh, was one. Um, you know, a, uh, a, a, a big league performance from, uh, from Sean. Uh, assist up, turnovers way down. And uh, I thought he did a really good job on that, uh, on the match that, uh, that he had. Um, Mike Young, summing up very well on the Virginia Tech Radio Network postgame show about what Sean Padula brought to Virginia Tech last night. And that was a real key element in, in again, the one part that I would, I would give the most praise to, especially as somebody who has criticized Padula's erratic play at times. He was controlled. He was in control of the game. 32.7 assists, limiting the turnovers, locking down defensively. I mean, again, it's why I think it's worthy of being a little bit harsh on him because the potential is there, and you can see some athleticism when he puts it all together. We will put other topics together for you right now in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. So a more cryptic tweet has come out from Mike Norvell of Florida State. Some people say what he tweeted about an hour, hour and a half ago is because they picked up an addition for the transfer portal, and it's something that often comes that way. Ironically, from Alabama. Very much indeed. So it's not certain yet whether he is out of the running to take place of Nick Saban at Alabama, although, you know, if I'm Norvell, I think you have to consider that, considering what the administration basically thinks about their status in the ACC, and it's unlikely to get resolved anytime soon. That's going to be used against Florida State in particular in recruiting because, well, let's be honest, they basically don't have much faith in their own situation, so it's going to be hard to sell that faith to prospective players. Uh, if I'm Norvell, I, I, if I'm Mike Norvell, I absolutely think you have to assume that the, or- the Alabama job would be great. I almost leaked the word Oregon, but that's because Dan Lanning is not going to leave Oregon to go to Alabama. And frankly, why should he? You know, I get the appeal of the Alabama job, but he's got a huge NIL war chest. Phil Knight, of course, the Nike swoosh uh, being the founder uh, of Nike and the biggest booster at Oregon uh, behind his back. But Dan Lanning's got a great situation at Oregon. There's less pressure. They got a great roster set up to compete in the Big Ten next year. Ohio State may challenge. More on that at another point in time because they look like they're getting stronger, whereas Michigan's gonna uh, is in the process of getting weaker with players leaving, and maybe Harbaugh, and then of course Washington as well will lose their quarterback and top three receivers on a solid but not necessarily stacked roster. So Landing's got Oregon in a really good spot right now. Why not let somebody else? struggle at Alabama, and then if you really want that job, be the guy to clean up that mess a little bit later down the road. Will it be Steve Sarkeesian? Perhaps, but maybe signals have come out of Texas because no. of Quinn Ewers announcing he will return to coach the Longhorns this year. Again, the NIL may even be better at Texas because of how crazed those folks are down in Austin and around that program. And again, he cleaned up a mess from Tom Herman. There's no mess to clean up from Nick Saban. So the pressure is high, and it's really hard to live up to it, whereas Sarkeesian's already doing a good enough job, and you make the playoffs some years, you make you miss it others. In a lot of cases, that's going to be more than sufficient, unlike Alabama, where there's a ridiculous standard because you have the greatest coach of all time. Number four. Speaking of things going on in the world of football, with Bill Belichick leaving the New England Patriots, a mutual parting of the ways. 
it does remind me of when Andy Reid left Philadelphia and how it was just time for both parties to go in their separate directions and both can be successful when they leave. I've, I've kind of maintained that theory. Uh, as it stands right now, Atlanta, then maybe Carolina because of the desperation level as crazy as David Tepper is as an owner. Either of those are potential landing spots. Could something else open up? I, I don't actually rule it out because Belichick is a unique case as someone available and maybe you're a roster like Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence and you're ready to win right now. I, I don't think Belichick's going to go to New England or go to, go to Tennessee because of the ties to Vrabel and they share the same representation. So I, I would highly doubt that. Um, and, and frankly, I don't think he's going to the Chargers either. I think uh, those organizations want to go in a different direction. And here's the other one. John Kai mentioned this, J.P. Finley as well, both respected reporters around the Washington Commanders, but both basically tweeted out that nothing has changed with Bill Belichick, that there is no interest from the Commanders brass and bringing on Belichick. I never thought there was going to be. As we mentioned at times, including our chat with Amy Trask yesterday, this is a franchise that's looking for collaboration for different people to have a voice in the say. In a case like Belichick, he's going to want to have a lot of of the say, the majority of it, even with some kind of say in personnel. And maybe it's a Pete Carroll structure in Seattle where he's the de facto GM, but someone else handles stuff and then he can give his seal of approval or give the old and the immortal words of our friends from the hair gel commercial. Rejected. If he doesn't like a decision, but that's really where this thing seems like it would go. Number two. ACC women's basketball outlook. Games taking place this evening, most notably. Miami at Virginia Tech. Hurricanes, they're 11-3 overall, but they are 1-2 in the ACC. And then Virginia is at NC State, the other half of that thrilling game that took place a couple of days ago in Blacksburg. Um, For Virginia, I mean, this is a rough spot for the Lady Wahoos to try to bounce back. They're 0-3 in the ACC. They play hard, and they've shown that in these games. They are not outclassed right now, but I think this is the type of matchup tonight where they could be outclassed. I get why NC State, they are in 18 and a half point favored uh, in this one. Bit of a high total for women's basketball at 136 and a half. But again, points of plenty for NC State. And I can easily see a scenario where this happens. Plus Virginia will scrap and claw to the end. We've seen that. For Virginia Tech, can they avoid the letdown against Miami? That's the big question. It's back at home. There will be a good atmosphere as there's been every game for the Lady Hokies. But it's going to be hard to top what the the Lady Hokies did against NC State a couple of days ago. And number one on the Fast Five at Five. We mentioned Virginia Tech in the win against Clemson momentarily. Boy, what a letdown for Miami. They blow a lead at halftime and lose by nine to Louisville, their first ACC road game in a couple of years. There is no way to sugarcoat it. That is a bad loss for the Hurricanes. And I know they're 11-4, and four, but that's the type where if you're on the bubble, yee, that does not help with the rankings and projections. Meanwhile, to their ever-loving credit, Boston College and Syracuse. Uh, I mentioned it, but a fan of Earl Grant at BC, but especially Red Altry at Syracuse. They look like they've come along. But I give North Carolina the most credit right now, looking very sharp in that win and once again using defense for the heels to get a victory at their rival NC State. And there is your Fast Five at Five. When we return in the Fast Lane, Mike Barber of Richmond.com goes deeper into the Virginia Cavaliers and how they snap out of their slump next in the Fast Lane.